and we've got episode 44 right here for you. If you'd love to hear just a good, honest chat between two fellow health professionals about nutrition, genetics, fat loss, and intermittent fasting, then you're in the right place. I want to share with you a really lovely interview that I was asked to do by my very good friend, Sean Resnick, on his radio show on Southern FM here in Melbourne called Personal Power, which is Sean's very own health show. We had a really great chat and Sean kindly sent me the audio to share with all of you to hear the amazing conversation that was bouncing around the studio that Sunday morning. Also, you might recognize the name Sean Resnick. He was actually on this podcast a little while ago. Check it out. Episode 16, How to Deal with the Monkey in the Mind with Naturopath, Hypnotherapist and Mindset Strategist, Sean Resnick. I highly recommend that you check out that episode as it's one of my most listened to episodes. He's amazing. Go and listen to that right after you finish listening to this one. (laughs) All right, guys, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome to another episode. I hope you've had a banging week and that you have something healthy planned to do today, whether that be go for a walk, expose as much of your skin as possible to the sun to get that good vitamin D flowing through your veins, or whether that's just a super colorful, nutrient-rich and dense meal. I hope you've got one of those things going on for you today. Now, I really appreciate you tuning into this episode because my lovely friend Sean and I had a great chat and you'll really get a lot out of this, I guarantee it. There's so much that we jam-packed into this and the interesting thing is that whenever Sean and I hang out, this is this is just a tiny window to the kind of conversations we have. Before the conversation, it's this times 10. After the conversation, it's this times 100. You know, we're just really profound in the connection that we have in regards to health and our belief systems and the way in which we work with our clients. So, um, I'm really grateful that you get the opportunity to overhear our conversation that was had on the radio a little while back because we're really very much on the same page and he really is a good mate of mine. So, without further ado, here is our little chit chat. Good morning. You're listening to Personal Power on a Sunday morning, and I'm taking you on a journey of self-discovery and just learning how to be a better version of yourself. My name is Sean Resnick, and I'm a naturopath, hypnotherapist, and mindset coach. And I'm really excited today to have this wonderful guest with me today. His name's Maddie Lansdowne. He's a really good friend of mine, and he's a scientist and nutritional consultant with a really great passion for sharing the truth around food as medicine. And, and nutritional therapies. Now, the thing about Maddie that I love the most, not just is his depth of knowledge in the area and the fact that, you know, he's a scientist, but he's got a really holistic approach to life. It's that he's got an awesome heart and he's a great guy. Now, Maddie's got a growing podcast called How Not to Get Sick and Die. So if you like what you hear today, please get in touch with him. Good morning, Maddie. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. I'm so happy to have you here, my friend. Yeah, me too. I'm happy to be here. I'm yeah. super excited to discuss some of these topics. Oh, listen, well, I was thinking today what we should do is we should talk about health and wellness and just the fact that, you know, people sometimes think that they're a slave to their genetics. So I think we should get into that a little bit and then we'll talk about how you can stay really well over the winter period and, you know what, perhaps even lose some kilos if that's what you're carrying. Everybody eh? wants to lose a few kilos. Oh, I reckon, buddy. <laughs> 
So I reckon let's get stuck in. You're a scientist. Let's talk about epigenetics a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So I really love this conversation because a lot of people, uh, I guess, tune out when it comes to the genetics conversation and talking about DNA and that type of thing. And for good reason. Like it's a very complex conversation, but it can be simplified in a way that every single person, every listener right now will be able to uh, change and behave in a way that's in the interest of their genetics. And um, there's actually a book being published called DNA is Not Your Destiny. And that is absolutely the case because epigenetics, which is sort of new, I guess, into the media and stuff, that, that word is relatively new, that epigenetics, it's, that means that you have control of your genes, which is relatively new phenomenon to most people. And how empowering is that, knowing that you're no longer having to be a slave to what you were born with, that even through your thinking, your perceptions, you can actually influence your genetics, even based on the food that you have and your environment. I think it's awesome. Oh, it's, it's empowering. so empowering. So empowering. Yeah, it's, it gives people back control of which they would have previously surrendered yeah. to their situation or yeah. to their heredity. That's exactly right. Now, you've got this really cool metaphor that I've, I actually love. I think it's brilliant. And I know you always get a really good response when you talk about it. So I'll hand it over to you. Talk about this metaphor with epigenetics. Sure. So, so the, uh, the metaphor is um, the difference between DNA, genes and genetics, and epigenetics. So uh, I'm assuming most of the listeners know of IKEA or have been to IKEA. Yep. I think they have a really good idea in Melbourne. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so I want you to think about DNA firstly as like if say you're buying a bed at yep. IKEA, but say it's flat packed. Okay. So DNA is like the flat packed bed. You can't do anything with it. It's relatively use- useless in its flat packed formation. That's DNA. Creates some anxiety for some people. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> IKEA so gives it's, me anxiety. It's useless at this point. Yeah. It is. Totally it is. get it. It is totally useless at this point. And, and then it moves to the stage where you build the bed. So you go home, you pull it apart, you read the instructions, which are in 10 different languages that are not yours. And you... There's always a few screws <laughs> left lying over it. You exactly. just chuck those out and pretend about them. But yeah, yep. you just pretend they didn't exist. Yep. Um, and so you build the bed. And in this case, that, that then moves the metaphor to uh, going from DNA to genetic information. So yeah. n- when it's flat packed, it's just a you know a bunch of different bits of wood, right? It's just a wood. But when you've built it, you can see now that it is a bed and it has a function. Okay, so that's like genetic information. Yeah. But the important bit at this step is that the bed doesn't isn't useful to you unless you use the bed. So mm. if you build a bed, put it in your spare room and never have a guest, yep. that it's irrelevant. The bed is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It just exists. It doesn't it doesn't get used. It doesn't not get used. It just exists. So that's our genetic information. So the point is yeah. that we have to create an environment in our lives where we use the bed, right? Assuming that in this context that the bed is a good genetic. Okay. So that we're, that's where we transition to epigenetics. So we can sleep in the bed, we can yeah. jump on the bed, we can ruin the bed. But that's that's where we get into epigenetics. But it's up to us to engage with the bed. Okay. I love this. And it's like going on with your metaphor. I'm going to try and do it a little bit of justice because there are going to be some genes that aren't fantastic there. We get our genetics from both sides, you know, both parents basically. So the bed might be a little bit wobbly. All right. Yes, absolutely. But we do have the potential with epigenetics to add a little bit of paper underneath, you know, one of the broken legs or, you know, so that the bed's actually a lot more useful or you know, stay sturdy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with that, uh, with that addition to that metaphor, because a lot of people, as we just acknowledged before, uh, feel that they're victims to their heredity. And people say things like, oh, my mum had it, so I had it, or, you know, the genetics are in the family. And, and they're, they're common phrases, which are sort of from an old school of understanding of genetics. But now we 
have a really thorough understanding of epigenetics, we know that the thing that's passed down is usually habits, and yeah. then those habits are the things that influence the bed, right? They're yes. the habits that our epigenetics are exposed well, to. You're either going to make the bed every morning, or you're going to leave the bed unmade. So, exactly. sometimes the bed's in a bad state yep. because of your habits, and maybe you've just been a bit sort of tidy, and you've not looked after your bedroom, and every once in a while, you'll step your game up, and you'll start making your bed up, and you'll actually start looking after it, and looking after your room, and hey, presto, genetics are changing, Yeah, right? absolutely. I love this metaphor. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, and we're keeping it clean as well, which is really good for a Sunday morning, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, talking about using a bed on Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Most of our listeners are probably in bed right now I'm, thinking uh, about this. I'm slightly jealous. I Myself as well. <laughs> so, this is great. There's a, there's a great author called Bruce Lipton, and I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Bruce me, Lipton. Me too. And I did his course years ago on the biology of belief, and I was so intrigued. He's a scientist as well, and he took different cells that were undifferentiated, and he put them in different environments, or different mediums in petri dishes, and depending on what environment he put them in, they then specialized those cells into becoming muscle cell or you know tish, different types of tissue structures. And that was so revolutionary because it means if you're listening to this right now, anyone out there who's listening, you can change or influence your genetics so you're not a slave to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Bruce Lipton also found, as you know, that he put the, the same stem cells. So when we're talking stem cells, it means they have the same parent cell, yeah. which means they have identical DNA. These yeah. cells have identical DNA. And he put it in a Petri dish with a toxin. And he put another one in a Petri dish with uh, like nutrients. And he found that the the um, stem cells that were in the toxin, near the toxin, moved away from the toxin. Oh, they physically clever. moved away and the nutrients they moved towards. And these are the identical cells. Isn't that just phenomenal? And these are actual cells, right? Yeah, with human the nucleus, cells. with the brain inside, essentially, yep. doing that naturally. So, this is, again, more evidence that there is an innate wisdom that exists within us that when we put ourselves in contact with the right foods, because we're going to be talking about foods yep, today, absolutely. and the right environment as well, so yep. the things around you and stepping away from toxins in your environment, you're giving your body every opportunity to heal and repair. Absolutely. And and then beyond that, optimize. Completely optimize. I wonder if what happens then is from the next generational perspective, then when you, you know, reproduce that, you know, there's this almost cellular memory that goes down to the next generation. Absolutely. I'm actually speaking at an event in a couple of months um, talking about fertility and, and my area of expertise on that is obviously genetic inheritance. So, yes. you definitely can inherit what if you, it's I guess pregnancy is a, it's a marathon, but it's looked at more as a sprint. And the point is that if you have all your positive epigenetics and genetics switched on through living a healthy lifestyle, having a positive environment, then the, the ones that you in, or transfer to the offspring are going to be optimized. And, and who wouldn't want that for their children? I absolutely agree. I mean, as if there wasn't enough um, responsibility and pressure on pregnant ladies already, but this is yeah, But this is awesome. for men as well. This but, is for men too, because yeah, our need sperm all... plays, you know, yep. 50% in the whole sort of thing. Exactly. So, there's so much potential here. You can be doing so much, not just for yourself, but for your offspring and future generations as well. And yeah. if you start today, you know, these changes can actually take place almost instantaneously, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned that because um, 
there's actually a, a published study called, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's called "You're not what you ate; you are what your mother ate," oh. and that's because the the all the epigenetics are switched on and then then transferred for those particular foods, those particular environments. That's why if we can optimize the pre-pregnancy period for, and this is men and women equal, yep, because men, you know, as you said, fifty percent. Um, if you can optimize that period of a couple of years before of living healthy life, being positive, being you're gonna part or transfer the the good. Uh, yeah. genes that are switched on. And the same goes for even emotional stuff as well. You know, getting, getting a lot of that stuff that you've been carrying around, that baggage, and sorting that out too. Okay, so this is good. I feel like what we've done is we've educated our listeners and we've empowered them to know that they can make a difference in their lives starting from now. Absolutely. So, so maybe what we need to do is actually talk a little bit about, all right, let's look at it from a weight perspective because we know, you and I both know, that being an unhealthy weight is going to obviously predispose you to certain illnesses, be it cancer and diabetes and and the like and high blood pressure, which is never good. So let's give people, let's start looking at what are some of your strategies that you use for healthy eating? Healthy eating. So I'm very much an advocate for uh, sustainable living, sustainable health, and I follow this one tweak a week method. So most people that start a new diet, they essentially jump off the diet cliff and make radical change overnight and their whole world is different. So they're having all of these crazy emotional responses to this huge change and we all react to change in bizarre ways. Um, So... What my one of my strategies is I start week one by just documenting what is normal because everybody's reference point is different. Yeah. Like everybody has has different perceptions of food, different patterns of food, different lifestyles, their priorities in their life are different. Yeah. And so week one is just where do we where what's ground zero? Where are you as an individual where are you starting at right from? Now. Yep. Exactly. And be real with yourself. Yep, exactly. <laughs> be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No judgment, but just be honest. Yeah, right? you have to be honest because yep. you're just doing yourself a disservice. Completely agree. Right. And, Next bit. And then from there, we just make small tweaks. So I always introduce an intermittent fasting schedule, mm. which we'll get into soon, I'm sure. Um, and and then slowly make transitions. So it might be the first thing might be that we need to introduce more green vegetables. So and and each week and might be more sleep. Okay, fat for fat loss, sleep is pretty much the so most important, important variable yep. for all health. Yeah. Actually, every health variable sits upon a foundation of good sleep. Yep. So. You know, and it might be each each week we just introduce one small new thing. And most people that you know, we've got those people, and you know, both as entrepreneurs, we know other guys that are probably like, I only sleep five hours a night, and, and they like it's almost like a champion thing. Yeah, like it's so, a champion thing. So but there's studies, there's studies yeah. showing that there's a deterioration in IQ yeah. from less than uh, from. Uh, Less than one night's sleep of seven to nine hours. So most of uh, genetically, almost all people on the earth need seven to nine hours, and there's a very small proportion that need outside that. So each week we just introduce one new thing, and if it's sleep, most and I, and I say, you know, we need to get seven or nine hours, and most people say I can't sleep past five. Yeah, I'm not asking you to jump off that cliff. This week, we're going to try five and a half. Yeah. Okay. I'm the same. I do a lot of work with people with um, insomnia in my practice, and it's about making small incremental changes. And and perhaps, you know, that's another radio show where we'll get stuck into the mindset around sleep because yep. I love that. Yeah, as, me too. As someone who used to be an insomniac, I love helping people get over it. It's awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'd love to talk about that. So maybe we need to actually step in to talking a little bit about this intermittent fasting thing because I'm a massive fan of it. And just for anyone who's wondering, you've probably all 
perhaps or maybe not, have heard of 816, which means that there are 24 hours in the day and ideally you want to be eating for around eight hours in the day and fasting for 16 hours in the day. And the idea behind it is that whilst you're eating your food and you're going through your daily life, you're energizing yourself. And then when you're going through the fasting period, that's the perfect opportunity for your body to heal and repair and, and even start burning the stored fats that you've got, right? Yep, hey, Maddie? Absolutely. So, yeah. So give us a bit of a preview on that. And then we're actually going to go to an ad break. But yep, let's start. So Yeah, sure. Well, I guess the important thing to start, and I like to always start with what intermittent fasting is not. And intermittent fasting is not starving yourself. So the difference between starvation and fasting is one is voluntary and one is involuntary. So when we're fasting, we're making a choice to have a break from food. And it's also not calorie restriction. Okay, So we're actually just moving the calories into a different window in the day. And as you said, like we're moving the calories from whatever time we normally have them into an eight-hour window. So it's not calorie deprivation either. No. But what it is, is allowing the gut and the gastrointestinal tract to just have a break. So most people I find with my practice is is 12 to 12 is the normal like everyday person kind of has 12 hours of fasting 12 hours of eating yeah and then same thing incremental changes so we actually need to get to at least 16 before we start giving the body a break okay yeah. because most people have gone their whole lives never having given their gastrointestinal tract a break I- imagine having a system imagine working 24 hours a day and that's exactly what people are doing to their, di- their digestive system the body's constantly digesting food it takes away from the body's innate power to heal and repair when it's constantly looking at metabolizing food. So I am absolutely, I love the whole concept of intermittent fasting. We're going to go to a bit of an ad break now, and then I'm sure you and I are going to continue rocking on with some awesome information. Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about this fasting stuff. I'm loving it. Thanks, Maddie. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Personal Power. And I'm excited to be here today talking with Maddie Lansdowne, this awesome scientist and nutritional brilliant man. And um, we've just talked about epigenetics and how you're not a slave to your genetics and how you can empower yourself by eating healthier foods and putting yourself in much better environments and dealing with some of your emotional stuff. We've also talked a little bit about intermittent fasting and how important it is to give your digestive system a break because that system needs to slow down too so your body can heal and repair. And then we're in the break. We're just talking a little bit about, you know, where did this whole breakfast thing come from, Maddie? Like, you know, the idea that you had to have breakfast early in the morning. Well, I guess the... For most of human history, we've eaten uh, when food was available and we've gone through periods of feast and famine, feast and famine. And it wasn't until, uh, I guess, the last few hundred years, well, the agricultural revolution started 10,000 years ago, but it wasn't until the last sort of corporate hundred years or so that we started really forcing or introducing the concept to people through media and advertising that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And that, that actual statement, which is now ingrained into so many households, so many mothers, grandmothers, parents, actually came from a corporate CEO of a company. Yeah. Didn't not, he, not didn't science. He, no, not science, not at all. And, you know, if there's a, you know, a corporate out there who needs to get a product out, of course, they're going to go and put it out there to the masses that everyone needs to have breakfast 
breakfast. And by the way, the breakfast that they were actually supplying to everyone is a really sugarized food too. So Absolutely. full of sugars, which are just empty carbs, really calories, and that was leading to weight gain. So I think this is where we need to start talking now. Let's let's talk a bit about macronutrients, fats and proteins and, and sugars, because the the general community out there has always been lied to that fats were the problem. And we've all been raised, especially if you're around our age group, that fats are bad, you know? And finally, how awesome is it that it's getting out there that it's actually sugars? Sugars yeah. is the problem, overly consuming sugars. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Oh, absolutely. Well, I guess the initial research started in the 50s with Ansel Keys, and he's a very popular name in the, the fat conversation because he um, neglect. well, he put out some research called the Seven Country Study, and that was the, the study that showed that cardiovascular disease was linked to fat consumption. The problem was, which is sadly more common than we know, is that that information was doctored in the sense that he actually did 22 countries, and he only used the seven that showed that result. Gee whiz. The other 15 showed mm. the opposite. Yeah. So I think that's just another point for people listening right now is really do your due diligence as well. Don't just take what you hear for face value because there is a lot of money to be made out there by misinformation. And look how Look at the responsible. Look, I mean, think about the impact that that's had on generations, hey? Well, absolutely. Because, well, further from that, from Ansel Key's initial research, he then, because that became the common belief in the, the science and health space, he then developed the lipid hypothesis. Yeah. And what that means is that simply that fat causes cholesterol increase and increased cholesterol equals heart disease or cardiovascular disease. And then that informed the first food pyramid and the the USDA's uh, first dietary recommendations in 1977. So, this is meant to be, think of, you know, imagine we're in 1977. Yeah. This is the leading research on the planet that's oh being presented goodness. to people. And yeah. from day one in the 50s, it was flawed. It was completely the opposite. Well, it, it was a lie. <laughs> yeah. It was a lie. Absolutely. And you're all talking about, you know, your whole thing is around truth, around nutrition, which is why I wanted to get you on the show today. Because 
people need to know the truth that cholesterol is not the bad one. Okay, cholesterol Absolutely. is actually necessary. Cholesterol comes in as polyphyllite in your in your blood vessels to actually heal and repair blood vessel walls that have been oxidized or been damaged by too much sugar. So because of the pyramid the way it was anyway, people were literally suffering from too much cholesterol because cholesterol was being laid down to fix up all this damage that was done to those blood vessels for no good reason other than people were following what they were being told. And, yeah? and the other, Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that most people for many years and if not decades have been told to reduce dietary cholesterol in an aim to respond to their cholesterol issue, but the liver makes yeah. 75 to 90% of the body's cholesterol. So if you reduce it from a dietary standpoint, the liver's just going to ramp it up. The body just ramps it up, so it doesn't even make sense. It, is, it wasn't getting to the cause. The cause was just to get rid of the sugars that the excess sugars in your diet and then your body wouldn't have to then produce all that cholesterol to mop up and clean all your blood vessels. So at the end of the day, it was just stupid, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're a, we're a silly species sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And that's why the drugs, especially in the I guess most of the drug data that comes out of the US is, is comes out of the US is is flawed because a lot of people take these drugs and they don't really see a difference, but they just say, well, the doctor said I have to do this because it's preventing X, Y, Z. Yep. But the reality is that there's no, they're not approaching the problem from a how can we get you off the drugs? How yeah. can we, this is a temporary measure. Yeah. That's not the way of thinking. Well, there's a lot of cardiosurgeons out there who, who recognize now that if people just ate properly, they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't be in business because they yeah. wouldn't actually <laughs> need to go in for heart bypasses Putting and themselves all out the like. So you and I, I can tell. We could rant on this forever. Totally. But we owe it to the people listening right now to move on a little bit about what types of foods are we talking about, right? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the types of foods that are going to, you know, regulate blood sugar levels and keep people in a healthier state of being. And maybe we should talk about the role of protein in the body a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I guess firstly, the as, as you acknowledge, the carbs and sugars. So carbs are just complex sugars. Yep. They, they're the inflammatory thing. And as as per the 1977 guidelines that were introduced and then the upgraded version in the early 90s, all of those things told us, told all the Western world to prioritise those sugars and carbs. Now, you don't have to walk far outside to re- look around and realise that was bad advice. Totally. 67% of the Australian population is overweight or obese. Yep. And that's in response to the, you know, the dietary guidelines of our government. That's exactly it. So, so essentially what we're saying is you've got to start having more protein, perhaps having a protein with every single meal, reducing your sugars, the excess sugars, but incorporating good healthy fats. Absolutely. Okay? Those proteins will keep you feeling fuller for longer and essentially stabilize blood sugar levels. But you know what? Maybe Maybe let's talk a bit about the fats because I think that's the bit that people forget or don't know. They feel a bit confused about it. So let's talk about some facts about fat. Yeah, well, I think first off, um, it's good to acknowledge with people where their beliefs came from about food. And often that was when they were a little kid and that the person that provided them food and sustenance, like usually your mum or dad or or whichever parental figure it was, they essentially imparted their beliefs onto you. So in the case that, you know, people's parents were informed by those dietary guidelines, they then imparted that onto you. So most people have this fear of fat as a result because they're like, oh, fat's bad. And even the word fat, we look, we connect the word fat with being overweight Mm -hmm. and unhealthy. So I think it's good to acknowledge there that 
okay, I got that information from my mum, and my mum got that from information that totally was Totally passed down, flawed information. Yeah, totally. But we're here to expose that today. Exactly. And so they've got this fear of it, but the, the fact is that fat in the body is super beneficial. It's highly potent in energy. It's it's We get it from avocados, coconuts, um, lots of meats and animal products as well. Yeah, well, let's talk about the different types. We've got the monounsaturated fat, we've got the saturated fat, and then the polyunsaturated fat. So let's talk, okay, so monounsaturated fats is olive oil, avocados, nuts. These are actually good fats. Absolutely. You know, every single cell in your body is surrounded by a membrane. It's made up of lipids, which essentially is fats. The body needs fats. So we need to be incorporating foods in the diet that are putting in good fats into the system. Saturated fats. Now, I think this is a fat that got a lot of bad press for a number of years, and that's all been debunked now, which is great. Saturated fats are awesome. They're stable. They don't oxidize easily. Totally. Which are the saturated fats, my friend? Well, so I guess the important thing for people to understand is I like to use the metaphor of, say, say you're building a brick wall. And so when you've got a saturated fat, that's essentially the bricks, yeah. right? So it's the, they're able to stack really easily. Yep. Okay, so there's, they're not weirdly shaped. They're really uniform and you can stack them. So that builds the structure of the cell wall, the brick wall. Yeah. But you want vents because you want air to pass through that wall because if you're in so that's where you want to introduce the other fats so that because they they have a, a sort of a bizarre structure so that they don't stack as easily so therefore they're liquid at room temperature and that gives like the vent or or an air almost hole. like permeability is the totally. fancy word that we're looking for so yep. nutrients and wastes can come in and out as they need to be yep. that's a brilliant metaphor Actually, yeah. I'm going to use that metaphor from now yeah, on. Yeah. It's, it's like just stacking a wall, like bricks on top of each other yeah. with enough fence. And you're getting that from a combination of your saturated fats, which is essentially coconut oil. It could be your um, butter, ghee as well. Um, we find it in some other fats as well. Is there another sort of saturated fat that we can think of? Uh, it is palm, anim- oil. palm oil. Palm oil, but we don't go palm oil. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyone listening, stay away from it. That is Absolutely. disgustingly... Yeah, yeah. We don't go there because it's not sustainable and the orangutans in the world are all suffering and we won't have any at some point. So that's out of the picture. But if we can get a combination of good healthy sources of monounsaturates and unsaturated fats, that's going to give you healthy, healthy membranes in your cells and just make you a better human being. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about the bad fats. The bad fats. Yeah. Trans fat. Trans fat. Trans fat. So trans fat is essentially watered down animal fat in many cases, or or it could be vegetable oils, this type of thing, but it goes through a a chemical process called hydrogenation or partial hydrogenation, and that will actually be on the label of the oil that you buy at the supermarket. And what that essentially does is that it it just changes the structures to unnatural structures, so the body requires natural fat that occurs in nature, and once the oil has been hydrogenated, it is no longer natural. Therefore, the body's genetics doesn't recognize it, and and therefore, that actually contributes to our weight gain. So, that's the bad fat, and that's going to be in foods like all the fatty foods Margarines. that you love. Yep. Margarines, peanut butters, all the commercialized peanut butters. Aren't you loving the fact that we're finding some really good peanut butters out there as well? Oh, like, I've, I've had, yeah, 100% peanut butter is the way to go. Just yeah. I go into the you know the source or the health stores yeah. uh, where you just literally crush it yourself. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, that's the that's the way nature intended, right? So exactly. we're crushing ourselves. We're not getting the oils that have been completely, for use of a better word, bastardized, which then cause lots of problems inside our body. So trans fats are a no-no, and people need to start reading labels better and recognizing that biscuits and cakes and all that yeah, sort of croissants, stuff. Croissants, donuts. Stop it. We're making everyone hungry now. So we won't go <laughs> onto the list too much, okay? But yeah, those are the naughty foods, right? Yeah. But we do need to um, talk a bit about polyunsaturates, and these are a good fat as well you know so for example you get two different types we get the omega-3s which come from fish we can get them from chia as well seeds and these are good fats that are anti-inflammatory that really help to reduce pain in the body so these are the goodies right absolutely and the important thing is to understand that the the liver actually can formulate a lot of the fats that we require through the different parts that we of the foods we consume so it can build them but when it comes to omega-3s specifically and sixes we have to in, have to have them in the diet because the body doesn't formulate them. You're, you're spot on. Omega-3s where the body will not be – it's an essential fatty acid. So yep. we, they're essential to get in the diet. So important to have them because they reduce, you know, cardiovascular disease and, you know, they keep you feeling a lot healthier and fitter. We do need to also talk a little bit about omega-6s, which – they are a little bit they, – they can actually be quite pro-inflammatory, so we don't want to have too – that's my belief system around omega-6s. We don't want to have too many omega-6s just because they're also the ones found in canola oil and some of the other sort of seed oils, like, for example, vegetable oils. Um, and those ones have also been very much um, overly refined as well. Yeah. Yeah, the omega-6, when we intake it to the body, the the best uh, absorption rates come from an even balance of omega-3s and omega-6s. Yeah. So they are important, but obviously not the highly manufactured, highly altered types because they're damaging. And as you said, inflammatory and, and inflammation, which is another rabbit hole, but inflammation is the basis of most illness and disease. That's where it all begins. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Illness and disease starts in the gut, basically. You know, you've got the wrong flora, the wrong bacteria going on there. You're putting the wrong types of food in. It will... I'm going to use an analogy now because you've used the bed one and the wall one. I'm going in for the car now, okay. right? Like it's a car, right? You've got a beautiful car. You've paid some good money for it. It's a good quality engine. And now what you're doing is with an unhealthy diet, so trans fats, you're putting some bad oil inside there, really bad, gritty, disgusting, you know, secondhand oil. Then what you're doing is with your foods, you know, with all the sugars, you're putting some really unhealthy carbohydrate, way too much of it in there. Essentially, that motor will not run for a very long time at a very high pace or well at all. And in fact, you're going to be calling out, you know, your emergency services because you get stuck. And your body, you've got to remember, is like a car. You put some really good healthy food in the foods we've discussed, or at least the macronutrients in those ratios, man, you're going to have a body that lasts you a heck of a lot longer without the health problems. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And as well, you don't drive your car 24 hours a day. So it's referencing Ooh, the you're going even further. So when you're driving thing. to Ikea to buy your flat pack bed, right, <laughs> you're not driving it 24 hours a day. No, you, okay? you give it a break. Otherwise, you'll hit a wall. Yeah. Oh, I like how we've just Good combined all, all of our metaphors. <laughs> all right, everyone, we're going to go to an ad break right now, and then we're going to continue this awesome conversation. <laughs>
Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on the show. I actually got rid of one of the songs because we've only got 10 minutes and there's so much awesome stuff coming out of this conversation. I just thought, you know what, let's just continue with it. So we're talking all things awesome about nutrients now and what to incorporate more in your, in your diet and what to you know, not incorporate. But I think we need to also make a distinction here for people, hey, Maddie, is that you, know, you need to be your own scientist, essentially. There's not a diet that's going to work well for every single person. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think as well, as the internet is allowing many people to discover, is that everybody, including yourself, has your own agenda and your own agenda should be your own health. But some other people's agenda is selling products and their corporate interests. So, no matter who you get information from, even if it's me, like, do your own research. Go yeah. and compare it to what you find is best for you because yeah. if you're not being your own scientist, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're handing over the responsibility of your health to somebody else. That's exactly it. And you know, like we are individuals and our bodies respond differently to different foods as well. And if we put our health in the hands of other supposed experts, they make mistakes as well. And we can see how they're flawed. They're human beings and we can see how flawed it is and we can see how much out there is just run by, you know, politics and 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 hidden agendas and profits and corruption and all that sort of thing. So I think the advice we're giving to people today is start playing around with your food, you know, start incorporating more proteins in there, start reducing the carbohydrates, putting in some good healthy fats, see how you feel, all right? So, and give it a good six weeks at least just to see what impact it has on you. And and if it's not working for you, tweak it, just play. You know, be playful with your diet. Absolutely. And coming back around to the, the, ge- the genetics that we started with, when you make a change, if you've been in a pattern for a long time, it's going to take a couple of you know weeks for your gut uh, gut bacteria as well as the different things in your body to adapt to the change. So yeah. you might go through a small period where it feels a bit weird because your body's using new foods and nutrients to create energy. I totally agree with you. And that's why I said people have to push through that window at least six weeks because like anything, any you know, you can't just go into the gym once because, you know, and exactly. think that you're going to feel great the next day. No, you're going to be sore and in pain, right? But if you push through it, you'll know intuitively as well if there's been a change and, you know, if you're feeling a lot better. So please start becoming more empowered around your health and well-being because diet is one of the most fundamental things we can do and change, right? Absolutely. And a little tip, I guess, for the listeners is a rule that I go with is if you look at your place and it, plate and it doesn't look like it came from the farm, then switch it out for something that did. Absolutely. The whole refined sort of food thing needs to be swapped around. And there's so many people now eating whole foods, healthier foods. And that actually brings me to remind, well, I have to remind ourselves that we have to, you know, it's winter time. People are getting sick at the moment. So let's give pe- some people some tips now on what foods they can start incorporating just to improve their, you know, their health and well-being. What would you say? Number one off the bat, and it's got a long reputation for this, garlic. Love garlic. Yeah, garlic is so beneficial. But but there's a little thing that most people aren't aware of, and that is that the, the most important immune compound in garlic is the allicin molecule. Yeah. And I, I tell people to remember allicin, allicin. allicin in garlic land. Yeah, allicin in garlic yeah, land. It's... And the great thing about allicin is that um, it doesn't actually get to, it doesn't get destroyed by heating it. So you can cook your garlic as well. And yeah. it actually, you know, it's still, it's still good for you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's... So it doesn't have to be raw. 
Yeah, but it, it's more beneficial if it is raw. If it is raw, absolutely. But you know, not everyone's going to be having raw garlic. It's, are it's they? not that fun. To, no, it's not to fun eat. for others. But you know, I don't actually mind the smell of it too much. I love the idea of having some ginger in there. It's anti-inflammatory. Yeah. It's really good for helping to improve blood circulation as well. Cinnamon is thermogenic. It helps people lose weight. It's warming in winter. You can add that to food as well. It's beautiful Abs- sort of herbs out there. Oh, absolutely. And turmeric is one that I talk about a lot. There's over 6,000 clinical trials and 2,000 of those are on cancer and it's just so good for anti, anti-inflammatory properties. And as we said earlier, the basis for all illness and disease starts, starts at a place of inflammation. inflammation. So if you're looking at reducing inflammation, you're instantly improving your, your um, immunity as well. And the good thing is about turmeric, as a lot of people are realizing now, it's fantastic for your mind and cognition. Yep. It helps to reduce the potential or delay the onset of Alzheimer's and dementia and all that sort of stuff. So important important. Just don't forget to take your tablet <laughs> or yeah. put it in your food, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And don't forget when you're preparing it to wear gloves because it stains everything. It stains everything, stains everything <laughs> orange and yellow. And so, so I do so do beneficial. that. So you can get these things in supplement form, but you know what? Best still to put it in your actual diet. And that's yes. a great way of getting it as well. Absolutely. So that's another one. I think oregano and thyme and and some really good sort of herbs in your food make a really good improvement taste wise, and they're anti they're antimicrobial too. Absolutely, and I encourage people to make the transition from using sauces to using whole real foods, and what I mean is spices to flavor their food because sauces are going to be hidden calories. There's going to be lots more calories in those sugar sugar added products than you might expect. So transition to using herbs and spices as the flavor. That's so important. And it tastes more authentic as well. And get away from using canned foods as well. There's really not much nutrient value. You know, like things like shiitake mushrooms are really good as well for boosting immunity. But, you know, get fresh, fresh mushrooms as well. Like it's wholesome and it's flavorsome and it doesn't taste all weird and rubbery and strange from coming out of a can. Oh, absolutely. And the, and organic is also a huge benefit nutritionally yeah. as well. Well, that's a whole other topic. But if people can go organic, even better. One of the things we do need to talk about is the gut bacteria. And we're going to have to do it very quickly. All right. We've only got like four minutes left. Can okay. we do it? Are we going to do it? We're going to do You're it. You're up for it? Okay. Yep. So we need a good healthy bacteria in our guts to promote health and well-being. And unfortunately, when you're having a lot of sugars in your diet, like a lot of Westerners do, it kills your gut bacteria. So let's talk about the good foods people can put in there like the prebiotic foods to help that's essentially the substrate that that bacteria needs to grow and live off in order to give you a healthy environment in your gut absolutely and it's not just the good good bacteria get killed off there's a balance there's always a balance in your gut of good and bad and yeah. there's yeast and fungus and different bacteria and not only does it kill off the good bacteria, but it allows the bad bacteria and the bad fungus to flourish. And and a really common one in the Western diet, which is obviously high in sugar and carbs, is candida. So yeah. the anti-candida diet is very becoming very popular because living a high sugar diet for so long That's, results in the, that fungus growing to maximum capacity. And proliferating and just kind of taking over, which causes all sorts of problems. And interestingly enough, even infertility, it causes problems yeah. as well. It, impro- it, it impacts cervical mucus. And yeah, it's not, and it actually takes energy out of your body having to deal with all that candida too, just in general. Oh, absolutely. And all the bacteria in our gut 
takes energy because it's mm. so there's a ratio genetically of one to one hundred thousand. So where our genetics, our human genetics, are outnumbered by bacterial genetics How in our freaky. gut by one hundred thousand. Freaky is that we're literally just bags of water containing bacteria. Yeah, it's like literally. are we really thinking for ourselves? I know. Or are they I mean, controlling they're, our food? they're controlling us, buddy. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting hearing that information, right? When I first heard that, I was like, whoa, there's like something like three or four kilos of bacteria within us. Yeah. Sorry to freak you all out. If anyone's eating right now, we do apologize. Now, we've only got a little bit longer to go, but I just wanted to pay credit to my wonderful friend, Maddie Lansdowne, who's come in today to just go on this awesome journey. And I, I we've had a wonderful time, haven't we? Oh, it's been great. And you know, to your listeners, they must be, be so grateful to listen to you every week because you're such a brilliant speaker. Oh, thank you, my friend. And you know, this is lovely because you know, if we take it one step further, friendship and giving people acknowledgement and being kind to each other just goes such a long way. And I think that's why we, um, we connect so well because we respect each other's points of view. And there've been certain things that we've kind of spoken about in the past, you know, a few little things here and there. We've tweaked our ideas. I've learned from you. You've learned from me. It's all about collaboration and doing your homework. So if you've all gotten a lot out of today, please tune in next Sunday between 9 and 10, where I'll be continuing on another journey into self-discovery, how to make you an even more extraordinary human being than you already are. Um, Maddie, where can people find you, my friend? Yeah, so so my podcast is on virtually every podcast app. It's called How to Not Get Sick and Die. Love the title. (laughs) I do an episode every single Wednesday, and I interview health professionals like we're doing now, and I also do mini lectures, and my website, maddielansdown.com. Wonderful. And if anyone wants to know where they can find me, they can find me on seanresnick.com, hypnotherapist, naturopath, and mindset coach. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend, and we shall speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.